Welcome to the Housing Matters Podcast, brought to you by the California Association of Realtors and the Center for California Real Estate. Hey everyone, thank you for joining us for another webinar. My name is Oscar Way, Senior Economist at the California Association of Realtors. I'm Jordan Levine, also a Senior Economist here at CAR, and it's good to be back with you. Great to be back. Now, um, Last time we talked about uh, sales and uh, the January sales numbers. I think uh, we talked about the regional numbers. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think uh, it's it's good for us to go back and take a look at some of the supply issues. I mean, of course, supply is something that we always hammered on, but uh, we don't. Th- I don't think I, we have a an episode just specifically on supply at least for a while yeah definitely no i i totally agree i think that it seems like regardless of what topic we're on whether it's the stock market or housing affordability or whatever the podcast always ends up being about supply anyway and so i figured it uh it made sense to loop back around so what's up with supply can you give us a quick snapshot of where we're at on the supply front of course now we only have january's number which is only one month but you can take a look at you know, the month of supply in the, the, the beginning of the year, it's it's uh, 3.6 months at the very beginning of the year. It's a bounce back from December. December was 2.5 months, which happened to be the lowest that we have seen since two, uh, Jan, uh, June 2004. Now, you know, just looking at that bounce back, you might think, wow, that's pretty good. Right. But, you know, if you compare that to the year before um, 2017, it was 3.7. So it's it's a slight you know dip yeah yeah still trending down and i think you you hit the nail on the head the lowest level in almost 14 uh years when we closed out 2017 and so i think that uh that modest bounce that we had in january it's like we're bouncing from a an abysmal level and so you don't want to get too excited i think the inventory level is still uh pretty tight out there right and too excited is the right word i mean obviously at the beginning beginning of the year I mean, there are always seasonal changes between uh, unsold inventory, between months of supply. So, you know, it's nothing to be excited at 3.6. But I think before we get into the details of uh, inventory, we got we got to understand a little bit about how we calculate our months of supply or the unsold inventory index. Definitely. So that we get a better understanding of what it means. Now, usually, uh, unsold inventory index is basically the ratio between list listings and over sales. Right. So. You know, there are a couple of things that, you know, affect uh, unsold inventory, obviously. You know, if you have a lot of listings, that will give you a, a, month, a great month of supply. Or if you have drop of sales significantly at the beginning of the year, then you also will have a great month of supply. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's the tricky thing about fractions, right? Fractions can go up because the thing on the top went up. Our listings or because the thing on the bottom goes down and that's our sales and unfortunately um, you know you can't get optimistic when the unsold inventory goes up because the bottom half of our fraction sales continues to drop right, right. so what happened in January I mean we have a 3.6 months can't say that it's significant drop from last year I mean it's it's a slight drop I mean is this something because of a drop in sales or is it something because of uh, increase in supply right based on your observations what do you think yeah, I mean, we had it. We did have a decline in sales, but we also had at the same time a, another reduction in the active listings. Right. And I think uh, just based on some numbers, you know, the drop was um, almost twenty percent in terms of uh, sales uh, from from December, a month to month basis from December. Yep. 
um, and we had an increase in active listing of 6.1%. So, I mean, you know, if you just look at that, you know, it seems like, okay, well, you're not a lot of changes. So we have to turn to something else. We have to take a look at, at those active listings active itself. Listings, right. yep. So active listings, I know we have talked about this. We hammered this a lot, uh, last year. Every single month we have a 10% or more uh, drop in, in active listings. Yep. Uh, what happened in the uh, beginning of this year? We had another drop, but it was actually fairly small by the standards that we set in 2017. So we dropped by a little bit less than half of what we did the month before. I think 6.6% in terms of active listings. Um, you know, and, and that's a, a still a painful reduction in the context of an economy that's growing, more demand for housing folks trying to get ahead of those interest rates. Um, you know, the fact that we're down on a year-over-year -year basis still by any amount um, even though it's not double digits this time, I think it's still problematic. Yeah, that's true. And then, of course, uh, you know, it's really hard to say whether, you know, uh, we are going to see, continue to see drop in active listings throughout the year. I mean, we did, we haven't released any, uh, our February's numbers yet, but uh, based on some observations, uh, it seems like, you know, we are seeing um, active listings improving a little bit. A little bit from the the again the very low standards that we've set over the course of the last year. I think by my initial glance, it looked like they were still down, but just not by as much as they have been um, in in recent months. I think it's it yet to be seen. But there's a lot of kind of structural factors uh -huh. that would prevent inventory from growing. But then there's a lot of what I would call you know business cycle or cyclical factors like. The fact that interest rates are probably going to keep going up that make people maybe want to move sooner than later and so it's it's not totally clear um which one of those is is going to win out but i think that you know when you just look at where our inventory is at from a historical standpoint it's still very very low right i'm glad that you brought you know you brought up this historical standpoint because you know we set the 3.6 months then you have to compare that with some historical perspective let's kind of put some numbers in place um I did some, you know, number crunching, you know, going back to 1980s. Mm -hmm. um, the uh, number of months of supply or unsold inventory was right around six, 5.8 months to be exact. Wow, so almost double. Yeah, so I mean, you know, yeah, compared to that number, yeah, it's, it's, it's significantly low. What about the 90s? 90s, that's almost 10 months. Oh my goodness. 9.6 months. Now, of course, you can say, you know, uh, between the uh, period between 2000 and 2006, that period of time was, uh, you know, very, uh, the market was hot. Right. Absolutely. Um, whether that's sustainable, that's very questionable and debatable, obviously. Well, lo and behold, it in fact was not sustainable. That's true. And that, at that point, at that period of time, we only have 3.3 months. Okay. So um, when we were in a bubble, you get down to lo levels that are similar to what we're seeing now. Right, right. And... You know, of course, uh, 07, 08, you know, During we the have some fluctuation. Yeah, we expect a higher number, almost, or higher than 10 months of uh, inventory. And uh, if you just look at the last couple years, though, um, not just 2017, 20, 2006, it was 3.5 months, and then 2017, it's 3.1 months. It looks like it's dropping, continue to drop. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you know, if you look at... From that perspective, there are a couple of things we need to look at. You know, the supply side, it looks like it's not going to uh, improve by a lot. If we, we get any improvement this year, it's probably not going to improve by a lot. And that's because of a couple of reasons. You know, we talk about existing 
housing stock versus construction. Yeah, definitely. Let's talk about existing housing stock first. Um, you know, obviously people are not moving. I mean, that's the big thing, right? We're always constantly nagging on my in-laws because they're in their, <laughs> you know, old um, house that they've lived in for, you know, a couple of decades and we're all moved out and everybody's off doing their thing and they just still don't want to move. They like their neighbors. They like their house. They like their neighborhood, um, you know, but I think that's kind of symptomatic of the entire market right, right now because right. it looks like, and, and I think based on your own survey research, right, we're just not seeing the amount of housing turnover that we used to see going back you know historically yeah i mean can you blame your in-laws though i mean i i, I have to kind of say you know it's a hassle to, to pack up and move definitely and i think there's a lot of structural issues there too you know long-term homeowners have um you know great property tax incentives keeping That's them right. in their house That's they're right. benefiting from prop 13 um you know like you said the market in general is very tight who wants to go out and be a buyer um in a market with less than three months of supply where they're at in the bay area um you know it's it's pretty daunting so even if you have a lot of equity you don't want to move you are facing stiff competition for a lack of units out there um and and you're seeing that folks are staying in their homes longer and longer and longer that's true, and and a lot of them, of course, uh, or if you take a look at you know the survey you mentioned about uh, the annual housing market survey, you know for people who are in, uh, in their boomer years, baby boomers, they're actually staying you know for 15 years. Wow. And for the greatest and silent generations, they stay at 27 years. But at the same time, we know that millennials are the is one of the uh, uh, biggest uh, age cohort. Right. And they own, they move every four years. Right. So I mean that's that's a, a huge difference between the demand and the supply, and um, you know if you take a look at I look I, I went back and take a look at um, you know the distribution of sales versus the distributions of home uh-huh. for 2017. Um, a quick look at that shows that you know if you take a look at you know the sales under um, 500 or so or between let's say 300 and uh, 500. That's uh, you can say you know that price segment probably yeah. has a lot of demand, right? Yep, that's um, the the nice plush entry level for for a lot of folks in in markets across the state. Right, and that sales segment you know represent about forty six percent of all sales. Wow. But what about supplies? Yeah, how supply, does that match up? Supply only represent about thirty eight thirty nine percent. So you can huge see, gap, huge definitely. gap. Take a guess at uh, two mil, uh, the one million up. What do you think the uh, Sales are, in terms of uh, share. Uh, I'm gonna say less than ten percent. Actually, it's a little bit above. It's about fourteen percent or okay. so. Okay. But supply on that end is about twenty three, twenty four, twenty three, twenty four. Wow. So we have almost twice as much um, supply out there compared to how much we actually need to accommodate these sales. Right. So there's a mismatch between supply and um, demand in different price point, and we also know, of course. Um, you know that you know for the luxury homes they stay on the market for like sometimes thirty days, forty days. Right. Of course, that's part of the reason why we have supply issues, uh, more supply in the uh, the, uh, the upper end. But still, um, if there's a mismatch, of course you're gonna see some. Um, you know, uh, different dynamics, I guess, at different segments. I guess that's why I always harp on the, the, the tale of two markets, where you really see pretty extreme competitive pressures down at the bottom end, entry level, first-time home buyer segments, where right. you know, not just 
Um, is there a huge supply imbalance, but you're seeing that actually drive some pretty competitive uh, time on market and also sales to list price. They're much higher at the bottom end of the market than they are uh, at the top. And I guess that's kind of what e economic theory would dictate to us, right? When you've got all this demand down there for first time home buyers and you have none of the supply down there, all the supply is up in the three million plus price range. Um, that's when you get those kind of funky dynamics that make it really challenging um, for buyers out there. Absolutely. And that's only the picture of, of course, the existing housing stock. Right. It may come back a little later. But, uh, you know, of course, the other side is the uh, new construction. Yeah, which is, you know, if you know me, I could talk about this all day long, <laughs> but uh, it's it's really abysmal. I mean, when I went and pulled the, the permit numbers as we closed out 2017, we finally got above the 100,000 mark. Uh -huh. um, we permitted 112,000, almost 113,000 units last year. That's uh, on the single family side, that's about a 16.5% increase from where we were um, in, in 2016. So in terms of a percentage, it's a great percentage. But again, um, you know, if you have a dollar and I give you another dollar, you've just right. got a 100% raise, um, but you've still only got two bucks, right? And so the, the, the small base that we're dealing with here is definitely uh, underlying those. And I think the bigger problem is this is the first year over 100,000, but we need right. way more than that every year just to kind of tread water for housing affordability, right? Absolutely. And we have been sh in shortage for quite some time. I mean, we got to make it up somehow. Definitely. I mean, we uh, we look at the state and their estimates are that we need 180,000 new units every single year. And we didn't get there last year. We haven't been there, you know, for more than a decade. And of course, like you said, we've got this huge accumulated deficit out there. And, and that's where our affordability crisis really stems from. And I, I just want to throw out a couple of numbers because uh -huh. and, and I... I hesitate uh, to throw out numbers all the time, but these ones are really stark, and I think um, you know I can't repeat them enough because they're really scary and really kind of tell us exactly what's going on with with the supply constraint out there. So you take a market like we're in right now, Los Angeles County, and you can see that um, you know we've created since the end of the downturn more than four hundred thirty thousand uh, new jobs during that right. time, and unfortunately, we built just a hundred thousand new homes are actually permitted a hundred thousand new homes we haven't even built that right. many um, some of those are even infill they're tear downs and rebuild so it's not like even once all hundred thousand get built we won't have net expanded the housing stock by a hundred thousand and uh, you know places like san francisco two hundred twenty thousand jobs 29,000 building permits. Wow. Right? So we're expecting 10 people living in, uh, in one house. 10 people per house, right? <laughs> My hometown of San Diego County, also egregious offenders with, um, you know, 47,000 permits, but almost 200,000 new jobs. But it's not just our core employment centers. I mean, places like the Inland Empire, the Central Valley are still very affordable by coastal uh -huh, standards, uh -huh. right? If you're um, living in Orange County, prices in the Inland Empire are much more affordable, um, but they can't rest on their laurels there either. Because even in places like that, you see 235,000 jobs over the last six years, 45, 49,000 new uh, building permits. So even wow. there, we're starting to fall below the curve. And so I think places like the Central Valley, you know, the Stocktons, Modesto, Sacramento, Exurb type areas can only remain affordable um, so long when they're when they're starting to underbuild, similar to what we're seeing along the coast. So lots of egregious underbuilding happening out there, and and that's the other side of the coin, right? Not only are our existing homes not 
turning over and those boomers are staying right. put forever. But then on top of that, we continue to underbuild. And that's really the, the double whammy, if you will, for, for housing affordability going forward. Right. And, and of course, you know, before we move on, um, what I want to show a few, uh, uh, throw us a few numbers out also. Um, that is, you know, if you just, you know, look at uh, how, ma- how many units we're building. I'm, I'm just singling out um, the single, uh, existing single family home right. or single family home. Um, if you just look at the single family home in 2017, um, you said it earlier, you know, total is uh, for single family and multifamily is about 112. Something um, like that. Something yeah. like that. So I think about half or uh, 60% of the homes are single family homes. By my calculation is about 55,000, 56,000 of single family home. But when I looked at, you know, the average for the last 30 years or so going back to 1980s, we actually built an average 86,000. So, you know, you look at that 86,000 compared to 55, we're short you know, by long, by average. I mean, even if we were to increase, let's say, 16% or even 20% this year, that will give us maybe about, you know, 70,000 or 65,000 or so, still well short of the long run average. Right, and that's why I was, you know, cautioning against getting too excited about a 16.5% increase in building permits this year. That's a great percentage increase, you know, if we're talking about a, a salary increase or something like that or how much appreciation you're going to get on your home this year that would be a a great number but at our low level of construction 16 just is not even close to cutting it we need to start doubling permits or or somewhere in there you know we need to see almost triple digit increases if we're really serious about starting to chip away at the affordability crisis yeah and even with as you said you know it's permits so even if we started increasing it by let's say 30 percent it's not going to materialize until the year after or two years after who knows how long yeah not with this kind Kind of uh, legal environment that we have in California. You know, you can't snap your fingers and and have the units thrown up. We're going through several rounds of planning and you know local challenges and all that good stuff. And so um, the point being that we've got a long hill to climb, and hopefully you know we can get our realtor members out there and advocating for uh, new construction because I think that's the the missing part of the puzzle. And I think that we can't get the first half that you talked about the right. the housing turnover moving until we get the supply situation. Uh, sorted out right where is there for people to move to exactly so I mean you know just uh, take a quick look at you know what we're doing how we're doing how we will be doing uh, later this year now that you know we know that the supply situation is very very tight and it's gonna be tight in a lot of different areas Bay Area obviously very very tight Southern California maybe a little bit tighter and uh, the the Orange County San Diego where the job hubs are um, maybe not as much as Riverside San Bernardino still very uh, uh, constrained though but if we look forward you know uh, moving forward looking forward for 2018 what is the outlook Um, yeah I mean unfortunately I think that that 180,000 threshold that the state sets as a, a you know marker for where we need to be is is something that I think is at this point a, a pipe dream <laughs> unfortunately I'm not optimistic about hitting that 180,000 I think we're going to continue to see some growth I think the economy uh-huh. is still doing well I think that the demand for housing obviously is still there um, but it's going to be tough to continue to grow more than than the kind of 
15, 16, 20%, even 30%, um, just because of, of the constraints out there. We got low levels of unemployment where the worker is going to come from. You know, again, all of the impediments to that physical process of building and getting those permits through to construction. Um, and I think that's that's definitely something that's going to stymie it. I definitely think we'll stay above 100,000 this year, uh-huh. but I think we're just going to fall well short of the 180. Yeah, but and also, you know, even if we are increasing, you know, by 15, 16, 17, 18 percent, let's say if we do have an increase, a significant increase, the problem also is, you know, we have talked about the cost of constructions, labor costs are going to go up, yep. you know, and, and of course, you know, with tariff, who knows how much is going to go up for the cost of construction. Yeah, definitely, so, especially on the multifamily side, right? right? Those guys are voracious consumers of steel, so. Right, so, you know, if cost of constructions increase, including labor and material, what do you think developers are going to build? Are they going to build affordable housing or are they going to build something a little bit more luxurious? Yeah, unfortunately, I think that, you know, when costs go up, then you look to, to allocate or spread those costs across a higher profit margin um, product. And so I think that, you know, those 3,500 and 4,500 square foot homes that you can charge, you know, lots of money from those high income earners and, and maximize the the cost of all these fees and things like that, and you spread them across these bigger units is going to continue to be the name of the game, right? And we're not going to get those starter homes. Um, right, right. And, and I think that, unfortunately, we'll continue to see this this imbalance where we've got, you know, lots of nice inventory up at the top end of the market, and, and we don't have any $350,000 homes left. That's exactly right. And, of course, you know, that's looking at the... Uh new construction side, you know, the uh, outlook for the existing housing stock is also not uh, looking really good. I mean, we're not getting younger. That's right. <laughs> we're not going to all of a sudden, you know, uh, our age is not going to drop by 10 years. So that means a lot of people are con- will continue to stay at their home for a little longer. Definitely. Um, but we also want to, something that actually, you know, other than the age issues, um, the tax reform is also not helping out, right? Definitely. And that's something that could cut the other way at the top end of the market in particular, right? A lot of folks are grandfathered in um, to the old MID rules, so they're not going to want to move. Maybe they've got capital gains. I mentioned how they have low property taxes as well if they've been in their homes for a while. And so I think that all of those structural issues taken together with kind of some of the fundamental supply demand issues that we talked about in California in terms of lack of building and where you're going to move to, um, means that you know we're gonna see more pressure to stay in your home than we already had, right? We always always had Prop 13 and capital gains looming out there as a potential source uh-huh. of incentive to stay in your home. Now you're gonna have to give up your, your, hundred, or your million dollar uh, mortgage interest deduction as well if you decide to move, and that's just um, yet another straw that, that may in fact uh, at least weigh down the camel a little bit more. Wow. It looks like, you know, just during this talk, we kind of talk ourselves into saying that, you know, this year we're probably, it's safe to say that we're going to have very tight supply continue in 2018. That's it. But, you know, the end of the day, the consumer drives the show, right? And these are uh, based on everything we've seen so far. And people might get excited. I think the one giant question mark out there um, that really could reverse a lot of these negative headwinds is the fact that rates are poised to continue to go up, right? And so all of those structural factors give you 
a reason to stay in your home, but the fact that you may be looking at five, five and a half percent interest at some point in the next, uh, you know, near future, I think is something that might motivate people to, you know, to the extent that you want to do something, do it sooner than later. And so, um, again, it's a kind of waiting game to see which one of those two forces um, is really going to win out. Yeah, it's too early to say, but I mean, of course, we said that we are seeing some improvement. We'll continue to report, you know, how the uh, supply condition is, of course, not just the supply conditions, but the overall market condition. Uh, but what, until we get more data. Um, yeah, and, and I think the uh, the other thing that I will do if I could shamelessly slide in and <laughs> self-promote oh, yes, is that we, uh, because supply is such a big issue, we've actually just developed a new um, listings, active listings, interactive dashboard on our website that you can go to at car.org that will let you monitor active listings, um, not only in your county, but also in your city or even your zip code. Um, And we go ahead and break that out by price range. So hopefully it's a tool for you to educate yourself, something to use as a conversation piece with potential listings um, or even potential buyers, right? Buyers that maybe want to take a long time um, and really wait for those good deals. You can point them at this, um, you know, listings dashboard and, and really give them a sense of how few homes are actually out there available for sale in their uh, area and price range and that might motivate them to to get moving so we hope that helps and uh, look forward to any feedback you have there too great so once again it's in the market data and it's in the interactive market statistics right correct yep great well great tools definitely take a look at it and until next time we will see you then all right bye-bye